Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 14th of January 2024. that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. All cinemas, theatres and other places of entertainment are to be closed immediately until further notice. We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets. The name of the new force which is now to be raised will be the local defense volunteer. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler, if you think we're on the run? We are the boys who will stop your little game. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to you. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish Audiobooks, Audio Drama, and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Ah, nice to be back. In a few moments, uh, Benji and I will be talking about this week's comedy release. (laughs) Dad's Army. Yes, the famous catchphrase from Dad's Army there, the famous laugh. Uh, After that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of Torchwood, Death in Venice. Torchwood are going to keep you safe. Then we go behind the scenes with Dad's Army, the aforementioned Dad's Army, that is, uh, The Radio Show, released this Tuesday, the 16th of January. If you've never heard of Dad's Army, it's likely you're listening to this outside of the UK. Uh, The TV sitcom Dad's Army is a much-beloved national treasure of a show, packed with adorable characters, silly catchphrases, all wrapped up in a tale of the local defence volunteers or home guard in a coastal town during the Second World War. In this special one-off release, the TV series is celebrated in a recording in front of a live audience, just like the original series, where two actors, David Benson and Jack Lane, amazing, miraculously portray the entire cast of Dad's Army to hugely funny effect. Now, I... Just a minute. Where's Jones? He's not here. (laughs) Following that, it's the return of listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Time for an electronic mail catch-up of the entertaining kind. Also available this week on Thursday the 18th of January, the latest Torchwood release, Pop It, by two of my favourite writers, Stuart Pringle and Laura Mooney, in a tale concerning the festival of darkness. Seriously disturbing. I'm Lauren Mooney and I am the co-writer of Pop It. Then it'll be time for the Randomoid Selectatron, oh. delivering a random release with a 25% discount dutifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager, Jackie Emery. The selection is a genuinely random and unpredictable one, but here's a clue we edited in later. Are you listening? And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease, and this week it's from Dad's Army, the radio show, and an episode entitled When You've Got to Go. (laughs) You've been marked absent without leave. Well, I had to go to the hospital. It's one of the hazards of my profession, Captain Manning. (laughs) Yes, well, you're here now, anyway. I don't want you to worry because it's my trigger finger, sir. I'm amphibious. <laughs> oh, good. I can still give him the old cold still, you know, sir. Yeah, I can still shove it right up. Yes, all right. Thank you. We know all about that, Jones. 
Now, before we talk about Dad's Army and also a brief summary of my suffering, <laughs> um, which brings me to the fact that, you know, the podcast didn't feature me last week. Benji, thanks so much to you and Joe Smith for stepping up. You're very welcome. It was always nice to have Joe Joe back involved. He's a lovely man. Um, so it was a, I thought it'd be a bit of a treat for listeners to, to go down memory lane. But of course, it's so lovely to have you back, Nick. How have you been? <laughs> okay, we'll do the suffering first. Yes, uh, yes, we'll do the suffering. <clears throat> we might as well. Should I just, I'll just reveal my operation now. My operation was uh, to have my gallbladder extracted because I had gallstones. Yeah, that's lovely, isn't it? Uh, Kenny Smith, the editor of Vortex, told me he works for the NHS, you see. He told me that um, it's an operation mostly performed on middle-aged women. So I don't oh, know. that's nice. <laughs> um, and uh, they said to me before the operation, some people say it feels like you've been sort of kicked a bit. But, and I went, oh, yeah. And they say it in that nice voice that makes you think, oh, well. Because obviously they don't want you to scream and run out of the hospital. And um, I think, yeah, I was speaking to Stephen Noonan, our first doctor last night. He, and he theorised that uh, if they'd perhaps said, you'll just feel like you've been kicked by a horse. That might have uh, given me a more realistic appreciation of... Uh, so, yeah, all of you out there who've had all your surgical procedures think that I'm being a, um, a complete baby about all this. I have had a really bumpy recovery. But just yesterday, I, I was sort of turning a corner, which was great. And in a good way, turning a corner into a nice place, not into a bad place. Not into but a last week, I just absolutely could not... Yeah move much frankly <laughs> so, so it's incredible to think the recovery actually although it's felt like slow slow motion for me the body is an really amazing quick. thing isn't it yeah less than two weeks ago yeah, there was a surgeon making five different holes in my body yeah that's great isn't it what an image now. to conjure with it's like you ever seen pop-up pirate no, what's that? It's, it's this game where they poke you poke swords into a barrel, and if you poke enough uh, nothing, that the pirate jumps out the barrel. Just, <laughs> just imagining like that, poking one in. Now here's one here, Nick. There we go. Now let's just pop round here and put another one in. I definitely felt like I was jumping out of the barrel. Uh, <coughs> anyway, so Dad's Army. Yes, wanna, yes, Dad's I Army. I was going to say look at the wiki page, but I mean, I have it here. I have it here if, if, if you need it. Yeah. What, what does it say? So Dad's, I was about to say, David's Army. Dad's Army <laughs> is a British television sitcom about the United Kingdom's Home Guard during the Second World War, which was basically uh, all the uh, the chaps who are too old to fight, who had fought in the, the Great War, um, but kind of mobile enough and active enough to be able to do something and do their bit. Jones uh, uh, joined the local defence volunteers, the LDV, which uh, basically um, is a bunch of older gentlemen in a town or, hall or people who are otherwise exempt from uh yes. national service from from serving aren't they you know people in reserved occupations i mean there's a con artist there isn't he a con, a con artist man. yeah there's a butcher uh, a funeral uh, director um you know you've got you've got there's bank young managers and, is he oh, too young, young? No, I don't know. oh um yeah pikey there wasn't there i always was under the impression that yeah, he he was meant to be called up, but it never quite happened. And I think there was a bit of a few strings being pulled there. Uh, perhaps right. well, I that, don't know. I mean, this first episode that we're previewing this week is um, it's something. Well, the first episode in this box set is uh, is to do with him getting his call up papers, which is why it's called "When You've Got to Go." I mean, and the brilliant thing you did the um, uh, post production on this, didn't you? I did. Yeah, just a, a, to be honest, though, there wasn't a great deal. 
being done it was just mixing it to make it sound a bit nicer and give it a bit of a polish here and there it was but, recorded live in front of an audience but but genuinely you know i did I, well the one thing i did get to do was uh we had to replace a few of the music cues in it because uh different cues you know down to release thoughts so it was quite fun either writing um writing music for it or or finding clever bits of so uh, that old kind of 1930s style music yeah there was I, I did one bit where i did a bit of singing uh really briefly in it can you remember the bit of singing you did um oh i can't off the top of my head it was it was some because this cheesy... was done a long time ago wasn't it how long ago did you put it yeah together? it was always oh, well probably early last year i think you know it's yeah. it's it's yeah it's one of those things that due to various things it just it had to sit on the back bench for a little while before mm. being released but i mean Regardless of all the boring post-production stuff, it really comes down to the performances uh, in this. You know, um, it's just it's you know David Benson, Jack Lane. It's just it's unbelievable, isn't it? Really? Yeah, they are incredible. And I've seen the show or one of the other because they've done a couple of shows with different episodes. And I saw one of them on on stage. They came to our local arts centre, and I um, uh, and. I think I may have mentioned this before, but Steph, Ben and I went and I was, um, it was a very small audience, it has to be said, and but I made up for that because I was, I laughed so loudly, <laughs> kept turning around to, and I, I had no skin in the game as it were, I just went to see it because, you know, I, I mean, I know David Benson, you know, slightly from working with him, um, um, but yeah, it was just, uh, it really went, I, I was laughing and crying. The nostalgia. If you remember Dad's Army uh, from watching it on television back in the day, it's just, um, it, it's so precise. And, it, and I was looking at these two guys because they do it like a radio play. So they're holding the scripts in front of an old microphone, wearing military uniforms. Um, and they, and you can see it's not the characters, but they sat and they change their voices so brilliantly. And they also, when they do the sort of background chatter, the, the two of them manage to sound <laughs> like seven people talking at once. And I spoke to Jack Lane uh, not that long ago on a Zoom call. Where I was just talking about, you know, him working for Big Finish more. And uh, he said that David Benson got in touch with him uh, because he'd seen... Um, Jack did a show on Norman Wisdom. Oh. It was a one-man show. And uh, David went to see him afterwards and said, um, I've got a feeling you'll be able to do some dad's army voices and you're the only other person I can think of who would do this. And, and so they started, he said, on day one of rehearsals with neither of them knowing whether they could do any of the impersonations or not. And they just started trying and they both kept trying to do the different voices and they eventually go, no, you're better at that one. You do that one. Uh, uh, oh, no, you're better at that one. And, and that's how they divvied it up. Just purely by, I mean, and when you hear it, especially, in, you know, it's quite, it's an interesting, it's an audio thing. So we're relying purely on, quite frankly, there's no narrator. There's nobody saying, you know. Well, because a lot of the dad's armies were converted into radio shows. Well, yeah, I mean, you can, you can, I think it was gold that's just animated one of the lost episodes, which was re-recorded as a radio show. And so... It's very, and you can hear it when you watch it. It's very interesting. You can sort of hear how it's slightly different because yes. it's purely done for radio. But it's uncanny. They are uncanny. And, and you can follow it perfectly. You don't feel the need. You don't feel at any point a need to, to think, oh, who's speaking now? 
it is so clear and so well done and 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 they've got the timing off to a t and some of the episodes get bigger laughs than the original episodes on television because the thing about jack lane is that he's quite a slight person you know in build and he he plays captain mannering who was a portly chap you know (laughs) and so when he comes on and he does his first line as Captain Mannering, which is something like, no, then, man. You know, the audience has a huge reaction to it because they can't quite believe that that voice has come from that person. <laughs> it's quite an amazing thing to hear, actually. Uh, anything more you need to know about my uh, gallstones? What colour? No, 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 I think... I could tell I mean, you, they showed them to me in a I'd rather a not know. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. not but know. But they don't let you take them home. They said it's not safe. I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to get out and, and conquer swallow the world. <laughs> Invasion of the gallstones. Now, well, it's good to see you nicely recovered. That's the main thing, Nick. You know, and, and fighting fit. You'll be joining Dad's <laughs> army before before tomorrow. Yes, I'm probably too old. <laughs> see you with your broomstick marching up and down. Do you know, there was a, a fantastic... Um, this is very niche. There was a brilliant <laughs> uh, Dad's army spin-off that went to radio, um, which was... Uh, it, it featured several members of Dad's army... Uh, looking after a pier down on and because uh, of course dad's army was kind of set a pier around in the sea you mean a pier, a pier in the sea the yeah because because yeah. dad's army was set in warmington on sea mm. which i always think is probably Bexhill on sea uh, mm. which is famed for its elderly population uh, and of course just down the road where i live is is eastbourne Mm. Uh, which has a pier, and the other side is St. Leonard's, which also has a pier. Right. And so I can see, I'll have to find out, hold on, what was it called? Because um, it's very funny as well. Um, Who's it's in got, it? It's got Pike in it, um, Ma- Captain Mannering. Um, and it and it's done called, on the radio. Uh, it sticks out half a mile. Um, <laughs> um, it uh, hasn't got Mannering in it, so it's got um, John Lee Mejura. Measure um, right. whatever you, however you want John to pronounce measure. it. That's I hear it from so many different people. Uh, Ian Lavender and Bill Pertwee are in it, oh. and it's um, and the, yeah, that's right. The pilot episode featured um, Arthur Lowe, um, um, but yeah, and it's and uh, it was done for radio, and it was done for radio, yeah, and it's just about can, them basically managing a, managing a pier. It was broadcast. They did put it on um, BBC uh, Sounds for a while, which is where I heard it. It was on 4 Extra and, and Radio 2 when it was broadcast. Uh, right. But I, I can imagine it's it's definitely out there in some 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 capacity. But they did 13 episodes, and it's it's quite fun. You can you can buy it on CD and all that stuff. And uh, but yeah, so <laughs> interesting. There's a little thing that you might not have known if you're a fan of Dad's Army. I didn't know um, that. But they play yeah. the same characters. That's the thing. Yes, they they yeah. are the same characters. Um, and yeah, it's brilliant. Really, really what good. What's it called again? It's called It Sticks Out Half a Mile. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say that again. <laughs> Sticks out, yeah, the year is 1948, and former Chief ARP Warden Bert Hodges arrives in the fictional seaside, seaside town of Frambourne on Sea <laughs> um, with a plan to restore the town's near decrepit pier back to its former glory. To achieve his goal, Hodges meets former Home Guard Private Frank Pike, now 22, working at Woolworths. To convince him to enter a partnership to raise the needed funds, Punk's um, Pike's uncle, uh, former Home Guard Sergeant Arthur Wilson, is now bank manager of Frambourne's and uh, and gets involved as well. So there we go. Uh, uh, it's all about that. So quite fun, quite fun. Um, did you know they adapted it for television? What? 
What the was first it was called Walk, Walking the Planks was in 1985, and the second High and Dry was in 1987, with Bernard what? Cribbins, no less, and Richard Wilson. Well, and they you? were actually broadcast. Yeah, on the, on the BBC, no less. On the BBC. Good grief. Anyway, um, so now it is time for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. As promised, this week we're looking at Torchwood, Death in Venice. Miss McShane. Mr. Colchester. Bubbles. From Big Finish Productions, Torchwood, Death in Venice. Where did you get a motorbike? Doesn't matter. Oh, we're in Venice. Couldn't you have stolen a gondola? What? Are we trying to outrun a turtle? Are you frightened, Miss McShane? Someone wants you dead, Dorothy McShane. I've got... maybe a day to save a charitable earth? Torchwood are going to keep you safe. Come on, you, get up. Did the room blow up? The room blew up. We need to get up and get running. I'm going to lie here. Masked figures with guns running up the stairs. Move! I think you've been saving the world for so long, you can't help it. I didn't know you could drive one of these. Neither did I. Never tried. But always fancy to go on a jet ski. This is a snowmobile. That too. Whoa! That was close. Uh, I don't want to alarm you. Never gonna happen. But we're running out of mountain. I noticed. What are we gonna do? Keep calm and blow something up. Big finish for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Venice into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's what Peter Nolan did. Peter Nolan, who actually starred in High and Dry in 1987, um, ah. he played the peer. Um, <laughs> it was it was a very complex role. Um, yeah, Peter quite Nolan, a wooden performance, I think. <laughs> very good, yes. Um, he always enjoyed treading the boards. Uh, Blogtohu.com <laughs> says, Death in Venice uh, possesses a lovely sense of place. Um is that meant to be place or pace? Who knows? No, place. It's instantly recognisable both when racing along the canals and narrow passageways of the city itself and when venturing into the surrounding region. An extended running gag about Colchester's rueful admission, their escape routes keep bringing them via tourist attractions he missed during his honeymoon there helps make this feel like the real Venice too. Along with his love of all things first class, from champagnes to aeroplane seats, is also another reminder of what a great combination Colchester and actor Paul Clayton are. With its brisk, action-packed pace, intelligence teased out mystery, and above all, the terrific double act at its core, it provides another great entry in the current McShane renaissance. The Ren-Ace-Ance, if you will. I'm so sorry for that one. Um, long may it continue. Oh, don't apologise, Peter. Very nice. Bigbluebox.co.uk Maria Kalaticu. I'm so sorry if I've pronounced that incorrectly. I couldn't find any pronunciation guide anywhere, but uh, 
Fingers crossed I got that right. Oh, yeah. I loved, with lots of E's, Ace and Mr. Colchester in this story. I listened to the story twice. Always a good sign. I agree. I'd love to see them team up again. The streetwise Ace, who appreciates the relatively simple things and wants to make the earth a better place, teamed with the cultured yet observant Mr. Colchester, who enjoys the good things in life. It's a match of opposites who have rediscovered the thrill of fighting aliens together. Nice. What a thrill. What a thrill. Tony Filer, son of Bill Filer from the Axons. <laughs> yeah, I um, watched that again the other day. You know, I got I got to the end of Claws of Axos on my rewatch. Did you? Well, that's, you got quite far in, didn't you? I did. I you can, rocketed you can, through it. I can never resist Claws of Axos. I slightly stalled with Colony in Space because I saw that relatively recently. But yeah, I went straight from Inferno all the way through to Claws of Axos. And then, do you know what? One night when I was having a particularly hard time, I just did Revenge of the Cybermen. Four episodes straight through. Just comfort telly, isn't it, really? (laughs) Comfort, the only man who has Revenge of the Cybermen as comfort television. Um, (laughs) Do Death to the Daleks next. Um, Warpfactor.com. Carry the bombs to the nose cone. Tony Filer says, Death in Venice takes the pairing of Ace and Colchester onwards from their first team-up, gives them a global-sized threat to battle, and throws them headlong into a Bond or Avengers-style adventure within the world of Ace's charity and Torchwood's responsibility. When those two realities clash, it's joyous and tense. When they find a way to coexist, it's an air-punching triumph. Whichever emotion you buy death in Venice to experience, you're going to walk away satisfied and happy. So go buy it now, especially if you've watched The Power of the Doctor to get a sense of the world of difference Ace is making. Shall I destroy the human female? Detonation! <laughs> Thank you. More, <laughs> more Revenge of the Cybermen as we go through this podcast. DoctorWhoReviews.net. Kyle says Death in Venice uh, carries a constant sense of oppressive inevitability due to the means of invasion and the omnipresence of global interconnectedness via social media. Media. <laughs> I don't know what media is. And the internet. And that growing tension at the heart of an action packed story brimming with a surprising amount of reflection and a bevy of tremendous visuals makes for a wonderfully engaging experience that brings talk and Doctor Who together in a completely organic manner. These two characters are so strong and developed and the actors so gifted that it's no wonder they should be reunited for this tale. And hopefully this is a proof of concept that will allow them to feature together more in the future as well. Who knows? <laughs> well, on social media, Telos32 says Dorothy McShane is in trouble and on the run. Someone wants her dead and Torchwood are coming to rescue her. Can Mr. Colchester keep Dorothy safe on the magical streets of Venice? Very good. Very good. Very good. I noticed that um, uh, people of the younger generations don't understand that very good was often used as a phrase to mean I'll get on with that. Very good. Very good. Yes. Very good, yes. sir. And I think I've bored listeners with the fact that in in a production some time ago, there was a young actor playing a part where they had to say very good, sir. And it wasn't until I got to the post-production that they'd interpret it, uh, interpreted it as a comment on the quality of something as opposed to, I'll get on and do it, sir. So the, the opposite is, oh, sir. very good, sir. <laughs> like, sorry, the, oh, thank you very much, <laughs> private, you know. It's, uh, no, very good, sir. So I always think of butlers, you know. Yeah, it's very good, sir. Exactly. You know, it's, it's not uh, 10 out of 10, good, sir. sir. It's, I'll do what you've told me, sir. Uh, at Spurious Podcast, well, if it's Spurious, what's it doing on? Uh, we love at Goss Jam's work on the Tortured Monthly range from at Big Finish, and Death in Venice was no exception. 
with an exclamation mark. Justified. Well, Rex EV here could be a king. Who knows? Um, I just want to say I finished listening to Big Finish Death in Venice. These Torchwood stories featuring Sophie Aldred as Ace and Clayton Cast, Mr. Colchester, are absolutely fantastic. Colchester quickly became a favourite from Torchwood Among Us series from the get-go. Ah, well, you see, it's interesting calling a character Colchester, isn't it? Naming someone after a, a, a place that's perhaps not renowned in any way <laughs> david maidstone yes, I, I created a um, character yeah. in the charlie pollard's adventures called woking <laughs> woking that's a good name david woking stars as a detective based in woke Every, yes <laughs> and everyone who meets him falls asleep at doctor underscore 909 ace and mr colchester written by goss jam this is james goss by the way in case you didn't know uh, do you need to even ask if this is going to be good simply amazing much like last year's the red list cannot recommend enough these are all got exclamation marks by the way uh, really great story where at sophie aldred and clayton cast uh, shine beautifully another exclamation mark nine out of ten listen next week more reviews as we take a look at doctor of war destiny coming up soon listeners emails tortured poppet and the random word selector chop. But first, don't tell him, Pike. <laughs> it's Dad's Army. I'm Penny Croft, daughter of David Croft, one of the writers of Dad's Army. I'm Jason Hay Gallery, an executive producer at Big Finish. Oh, and I'm with Worldwide Theatrics. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> we present the Dad's Army radio show. Three classic episodes of the BBC television series by Jimmy Perry and David Croft. Adapted and performed by David Benson and Jack Lane. Well, starting from the beginning, uh, Jack and David had this idea for the show. They both met because they both were great fans of Dad's Army. They were both great impressionists and they're, they're just brilliant. And they approached our agent to get a license to perform it. And we thought, well, nobody will ever see it. That's fine. They, they were so sweet. And then my sisters uh, sneaked in and saw them at Edinburgh and said they were just brilliant and I couldn't wait to see them. I saw it, I thought they were brilliant. Got to meet them, became friends and that's how we got together. And then a mutual friend introduced us, mm. didn't he? Yeah. Yes, so a mutual friend introduced us um, and uh, obviously I've always loved Dad's Army. It's something I grew up watching and um, very enthusiastic about the idea of bringing these stories which were never adapted for radio Yeah, to that's life. right, that's right because um, Originally, there were 80-something episodes, and Michael Knowles and Harold Snowd had adapted most of them, but Jack, in fact, pointed out that not all of them had been adapted. So we ruffled through and went, actually, we could do it. And because they are so awesome, we thought, when I shut my eyes, it's just like being in the studio again. And when I was a kid, I used to be in the studio and listen to it. And when you shut your eyes, it's like being back there. It's just creepy now i just a minute where's jones he's no here <laughs> he's absent mark him absent without leave they're all right i mean they're they're both phenomenal actors phenomenal actors i mean um david i've known for ooh, 22 23 years mm -hmm. now um and he's uh, his performances as Kenneth Williams and Absolutely. Frankie Howard Absolutely. are amazing. 
And when I heard he was doing this, Norman Wisdom. Yes. So that's how they met, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. When I heard he was doing this, I was instantly interested because I knew he'd do a brilliant job. And then getting to meet you and talking about this was um, just um, a brilliant synergy. I can still give him the old cold still, you know, sir. Yeah, I can still shove it right up. Yes, all right. Thank you. We know all about that, Jones. <clears throat> Where were we up to, Wilson? Well, I think we were discussing what to do with young Pike, sir. Oh, yes, that's right. Leave the room, Pike. Why? What have I done? I'm Jack Lane. I act, write and produce in this. I'm David Benson. I performed several of the characters, including Mr. Wilson. And like Jack, I've also adapted some of the episodes. Well, Dad's Army Radio Show was based on an idea by you, wasn't it, originally? Uh, David came up with it. The show came about uh, through really because of a show I did 25 years ago, which was about Kenneth Williams. But I also, in that show, impersonate some of the people that I loved from television and uh, the movies, which were all people from the past. So when I was a schoolboy, Dad's Army was on, still on television, along with all the other shows we loved from that era, like Doctor Who, which very much played a huge part in our lives. Dad's Army radio show was really born from an idea that came from an earlier show that I did many years ago, where in that show where I was talking about my childhood and the things I used to love watching on television, like Morecambe and Wise, the Marx Brothers, anything to do with old comedy. I also used to watch Dad's Army. So in that show, I used to run a very quick medley of the voices. And it, often people would come up to me and say, why don't you do a whole show about Dad's Army? And I couldn't think of any way of doing it on my own. And it was only years, years later, probably about 2017, when I suddenly had the idea of doing Dad's Army as a radio show on stage, rather like Round the Horn and Hancock's Half Hour and many other radio shows have been successfully adapted for stage and done on the stage as if it's a radio recording. And then once I'd had the idea and obtained permission, I asked Jack Lane. I said, who else could I do this show with? Because I didn't want to do it by myself. It'd be much more fun to do it with someone who could ask him. Of course, there was only one person. That was Mr. Lane. And thank goodness you did. I know, because it's been four years, four years. or something, and <laughs> I think we're getting like better. We're getting better and better at it. What do you think, Wilson? Well, um, I think I, I know Pike pretty well. I knows his mother pretty well. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Let's not get personal about this, Fraser. I think it's very nice of Sergeant Wilson to look after Mrs. Pike the way he does. I think he's a true gentleman. The wonderful thing is I'd actually grown up listening to the cassettes. So the radio show was ingrained in my head from the age of five and six. Uh, and I used to love listening. I'd fall asleep listening to them. So by the time David rang me up, I was already quoting huge amounts of script to him straight off the bat. Um, my only worry was, uh, can we both pull this off? You know, there's mm. a lot of iconic characters here. Mm. Um, I think that was a worry for both of us, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it seemed like such a cheeky idea as well. And I did think, you know, will an audience sit there and watch two actors running through all the voices and reading scripts? But from the very first performance we did in Edinburgh 2017, we were astounded by the response and that they actually would sit and go into a strange kind of state, don't you think, where yeah. they're sort of seeing a film in their head while they're listening. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing with this. This adaptation, of all the adaptations that have happened with Dad's Army, I think this works so well because the audience are meeting us halfway. We're not trying to look like them. We're not building a great big set to replicate the original. They're bringing their version of Arthur Lowe, Clive Dunn in their heads and they're envisaging the Jones's van, the hall. Mm. 
So it's, it's this weird trance state you're putting the audience into. So they're seeing all this in their mind's eye, filling in all the blanks, where you, otherwise, you know, you'd be costing you millions on <laughs> stage before virtual. Saves um, a huge amount of money doing it on the radio. Yes, so I think in that sense, this works really, really well. And we're not doing a different version. We are really focusing in on the actors that play these characters and, and digging deep into those voices and all the nuances and subtleties that maybe an impressionist might miss. They'll give you a surface impression, but we really try to delve deeper into that and get all those wonderful little mannerisms that everyone knows and loves. Well, it's like this, Mr. Mannering. The blood donor people will be taking the church hall for the next two days. His reverence has agreed. <laughs> Mr. Badrig is quite aware of that, Mr. Yankton. <laughs> Just go to bigfish.com and type Dad's Army into the search pane at the top to find this one. That's out this Tuesday, the 16th of January. Right now, though, it is time for... Listener's emails. That's right, and you don't need to manage a peer or join the home guard in order to send an email, mainly Phew. because at that time emails didn't exist. Or if they did, they weren't uh, common knowledge. It was all <laughs> very hush-hush, you know, in the war, very hush-hush. Oh, hush. Hush. So the emails have been around since the 1800s, you know. Yes, yes, it's just uh, not for the likes of us, you see. Very good, no. sir. Uh, podcast at bigfinish.com <laughs> is where you want to send them. Uh, that's what you want to do. Type that in and send it that way. That's what Alex Pass did. Subject, farewell to Space Year 2023. Uh, hi, there. hi there. Overall, uh, that's the overall alert. Uh, I thought 2023 was a blooming good year for Big Finish. Oh, we you. had Torchwood Adventures with Autons and Ood, the Fourth Doctor meeting Ice Warriors and Weeping Angels, mm-hmm. a Revenge of the Cybermen prequel, all that wonderful once and future stuff, also Time Slip, Luther Arkwright, and the Omega Factor. Oh, yeah. All this and a couple of new Christmassy listens too. And it looks like Little there's plenty more goodies there. to come in 2024. Goodness, lots. Uh, P.S. Uh, who else has put their Doctor Who Adventures magazine Mutant Phase CD in their Season 20 Blu-ray set as a bonus disc? Nice. Uh, we ask. Anyone? Did you not see the Santa emoji? I did see it. I just uh, chose not to say anything about it, quite frankly. I was too busy reading. Um, Carry on, anyway. Sorry. No, no, no. I'll go back and read it all again. No, 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 no. no, no. Um, happy times and places to all Big Finish Towers and incidentally to all of you at home uh-huh. and this little uh, glass of champagne there um, perhaps a reference to the Feast of Stephen uh, so. Big out, Big Al sent from my chronic hysteresis hysteresis hysteresis, blimey of leftover Christmas chocolate and booze uh, asterisk here, please drink responsibly responsibly <laughs> 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 uh, chronic hysteresis, that's um, a thing from Doctor Who, you know it is, but I've just I've never read it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's not yeah, the type yeah. of thing yeah, that you read, you and it's, it's not the type of thing your brain sees and then says. Yes, see and say with Benji's brain. Uh, next up, Peter Kemmerer. Subject: Jonathan Carley. Dear Saint Nick and podcast elf Benji. <laughs> uh, the Happy war doctor begins. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? Very good, sir. I said actual service. <laughs> Very good, sir. Uh, the War Doctor begins. Enemy Mine is a tour divorce from the beginning to the end. What a great, what great writing. 
Three exclamation marks. There's nothing greater than that. And a wonderful showcase for the ridiculously talented Jonathan Carley as the War Doctor. It's more than the fact that he has John Hurt's voice down pat. He's also got the acting chops needed to pull it off. There are two things I love there. There's the pat and the chops. A pat and the chops. Uh, sounds like a meal, doesn't it? <laughs> Fancy a pat and chops tonight, love. Pat and chops, very good. Uh, this range has been one of the very best newer ranges Big Finish has produced over the past couple of years. I've looked forward to each release and haven't been disappointed! Exclamation mark. There's been an invasion of exclamation marks in this podcast. Please tell me this isn't the last we'll hear from him in this role. I will tell you that. I'm hoping you both had happy holidays. Peter Camera, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. What's down, PA? Good old Jonathan Carney will be pleased to hear that, I'm sure. He will. Finally, Joshua Duffy, subject Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. We're going to be on the lookout for exclamation marks in this email. Hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. Happy New Year, and wow, what a year it has been for Big Finish. We've had some great sets like Angels and Demons, oh. In the Night, Audacity, and In the Bleak Midwinter. Once in Future was a great mini-series as it was so exciting to listen to it every month and speculating what will happen in the next story. Yes. And not just Doctor Who, Time Slip came to an end and I'm still in shock with you getting Kate Winslet back for Dark Season Legacy Rising. I know! To celebrate this year, I've made two Best of Big Finish 2023 polls. One for Doctor Who and one for Big Finish's other audio releases. I didn't include all of them together in one poll because if I did, the Doctor Who audios would outweigh the other releases. Yeah, yeah. More importantly, why haven't we got the results of these polls? I mean, I you, you set you set it up and then you 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 know you leave us wondering. Um, hope you two and everyone at Big Funders have a happy new year and here's to a great 2024. Sincerely, Joshua Duffy. Yes, yes, yeah. yes absolutely. Very good, very good. Um, and of course, this relied. Uh, arrived in the uh, strange black hole that exists between uh, Christmas and the New Year. The interbellum, uh, as I call it. The interbellum, exactly. Nicely put. Uh, that's it for the emails this week. We'll be playing catch-up with some emails we received over the holiday period, but do keep them coming, because we love them with all our hearts. Remember, there's a tease of Dad's Army coming up at the end of this podcast and there'll be a chance for you to get yourself a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release too. But first... Also available this week, a truly disturbing episode of Tortured from the pen of the pleasingly strange Stuart Pringle and Lauren Mooney. It's Pop It. Hi, I'm Lauren Mooney and I am the co-writer of Pop It. I'm Reese. Why are you here? The Witch's Cauldron... Oh, I work here. A poppet is, um, it's funny, it's like a a sort of doll or an effigy of someone, I suppose, that you associate with magic, with witchcraft. But for me, I guess, I guess I learned what it was from The Crucible, Arthur Miller's The Crucible. I was in quite a bad student production when I was 19, playing an old woman, which is not the glamorous part that you want to play when you're 19. And... There were endless scenes of, of sort of frightening East Coast proto-American girls saying, I've seen her with a poppet. She's made a poppet and put a pin in it and she's put a pin in me and there's a pin in the poppet. And so um, this was a nice chance to reclaim <laughs> the poppet from Arthur Miller. It works like a kind of, I mean, it's sympathetic magic, isn't it? You know, it's something that is designed to look like something else that works by looking like 
um, being like something else. And you can use it to um, cast spells on a person, I suppose. Uh, I guess the thing about them is that they're one of those things that turn up in um, chimneys, as they do in this story. I went to a great witchcraft exhibition a few years ago in Oxford where they had these amazing um, sort of reams of things they'd pulled out of chimneys and from above doorways in old houses. And it's that that I find so interesting, the kind of prevalence of belief in magic across hundreds of years in the same way that probably I still don't walk under ladders, even though I'm not sure I believe in luck, but I think, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't risk it. And I like the thought of people putting poppets in their chimneys and horseshoes up and um, having a dark-haired man first foot their doorway and things like that for the same reasons. I like the kind of inheritance, the prevalence of this kind of belief. I think it's interesting. Is it a nest or some kind of... Yeah, hello there. I'm Kai Owen and I'm playing Reese Williams. Oh, the story of Poppet is an absolute belter. Um, it's been a joy to record today. It's it's a story full of witchcraft and mystery and some very creepy characters. Reese gets involved, as he always does, in a in a very sort of mysterious story and gets and finds himself landed in a world where He's sort of lost without his wife, but somehow his own sort of brain and his experience of being in the world of Tortured somehow gets him out of it. And his curiosity leads him down a very dark path where he comes across some crazy, scary, creepy characters and a bit of spooky witchcraft, which culminates in an epic story. I wondered if I could help uh, hand out leaflets or something. Leaflets? You know, with a photo. My wife was in the police. She said people see more than they think they do. Remember more. You've just got to jog their memories. That makes sense. This felt like a really fun story to have Reese in the middle of, I think, because he's very real. There's something very, very real about him. He, you know, feels like people that, you know, you know, there were some much more heightened characters in Torchwood, but Reese always had that role, you know, in the original series of being Gwen's real life, of kind of grounding her in a reality that we'd all recognise. And he has that kind of everymanish quality, you know, and he still has it. And I think that there's something very fun about putting someone like Reese up against the most kind of horrifying or surprising things that you can think of, because immediately you're getting a kind of clash of worlds there you know, of the very real world, of a world that we can really recognise with something that hopefully <laughs> you can't recognise. I hope nobody listening to this has ever been um, tricked by a big bag of sticks. But so you, you just get a lot of, of kind of shorthand of real life from me straight away and, and it feels really fun to put him into those extreme situations and enjoy seeing what happens to him. <laughs> Because he's out, because he's out of his depth all the time. He's, he doesn't want to be involved in it. Right from day one, Reese does not want to be involved in it. Reese wants to just be at home with Anwen, making the tea for Gwen. And as long as Gwen is safe, Reese is happy. But I think it's entertaining to see somebody out of their comfort zone and a guy who is just completely lost. Um, a normal guy uh, in this extraordinary world, and I think that's what makes it interesting. The police, uh, they're coming by soon. Is that right, darling? Uh, later this morning, apparently. Hi, uh, Reese. 
Right. Alex. Hi. I, I won't stop long. Uh, don't want to get in the way. You're not. Just go to bigfinish.com and type pop it uh, to find this one out this Thursday, pop the 18th of January. I always thought poppets were sweets, weren't they? I don't know if they still are, but they certainly were sweets. Were they? Um, I believe so. They were like, you, you get them in a bag and they had like different um, flavours. Oh. I thought poppet um, was just a term of affection for someone, always a poppet, you know. There we go. Poppet sweets. Yeah, they still oh. exist. Old school have filed, filled with delicious flavours. So you get them and there'd be like toffee ones, orange flavoured ones, mint ones, and plain chocolate ones. Brilliant. You can get them in B&M, I think. Wow. Um, I don't so think that here. that's what the uh, Torchwood story is about, though. I no, could be wrong. No, but, but, but you never know. But that's out this Thursday, the 18th of January. Okay. So you can get Poppets. We're moments away for your chance to get a 15-minute sneak preview of Dad's Army when you've got to go. But first, it's... The Random Point Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. Oh, what you got? Uh, we have got uh, Blake 7, The Liberator Chronicles, Volume 12. Get yourself a bit of Paul Darrow action there as Avon. Well, this one features four stories, uh, Corners of the Mind by Andy Lane, uh, Capital by Guy Adams, and Punishment by Guy Adams as well. Uh, here is the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. My hero, so kind of you to finally show up. Are you listening? This is Clary Vaughan aboard the Liberator with a message for President Serverland for the entire Federation. We've been quiet for a while. I bet you thought we'd gone away. I possess the plans for PDX-10, the Armageddon Storm. We were just biding our time, plotting, waiting for an opportunity. And I have the resources to construct the weapon. Now we're back in business. My first target will be Earth. The Federation won't know what's hit it. This is your only warning. The last time I was on a planet that had the Armageddon Storm pointed at it, it nearly killed me! Evasive maneuvers. Are you alright, Avon? We need to get to the Liberator. Well, you start walking and I'll catch you up. Do you want to tell us to take cover, Avon, or shall I? Some rescue this is. I think I've just run out of time. Blake 7, The Liberator Chronicles, Volume 12. Ah, that got your attention. Well, there we go. It trailed for you there. Great cast. Well, it's Blake 7, isn't it? It's got David Warner as, uh, as well. Solvin Tavak. This is an Andy Lane and Guy Adams special here. Uh, You get three stories in this one. If you like Blake Seven, give it a crack. If you don't, give it a crack anyway, quite frankly. Because it's Blake Seven. I just said there were three stories. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm just telling you again. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to mention here? There's a bald arrow in it. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Is, is, is Is there a rule that says one can't say... The same thing. Yes, did you read the terms and conditions in this podcast? Crikey! They're enhanced audiobooks, so if you don't know what those are, they're essentially, uh, if you can imagine, they're not quite full cast audio dramas. They are kind of performed by the cast, but also audiobooks. It's a bit in the middle, a a few sound effects. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a sort of raffia base. 
Well, there we go. Um, well, uh, while I email Jackie Emery, content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection uh, so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish website, Benji, can you explain how listeners can get, you know what's coming, can get this <laughs> in the style, of course, of Dad's Army? This is really good. No, Nick, I no, can't. No, no, I can't, no. No, but actually I was going to go, mm, yes, uh, mm, very good, sir, yes. <laughs> now listen here, man. Are you listening? Good. Now go to bigfinish.com and head over to podcasts. Oh, oh do, do you think that's wise, sir? Um, <laughs> now, if, when, when you get to that page, you head right over to click read more. And when they don't like it up, and sir, they don't like it up. And once you, once you, once you click there, now stop it, man, stop it. Um, oh, the page has gone all funny. Um... <laughs> Uh, oh, don't panic, oh, Uncle don't panic. Arthur. <laughs> oh, it's gone all funny, Uncle Arthur. Yes, uh, Captain Manley, do you think it's awfully wise we should be looking at this page like this? Um, once you're on the page, man, you click here, and it says enter the code back up. Uh, what doom, sir? Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> you enter the code back up, that's B-U-C-K-U-P. That's all capital letters. Oh, very good, sir. Um, or enter it in and you'll get your discount. And that was a mess quite frankly. Um, but you heard it here first. You've done it. Yes, I have. It's very hard to coherently coherently uh, relay information uh, whilst trying to be as many people as possible. Well, there you have David Benson and Jack Lane's talent right there. <laughs> yeah, quite frankly, yeah. Oh, right. So I've sent the email to Jackie. We'll all be fascinated to hear. Um, splendidly good, Ran, I think. Nice one. Yeah, did the uh, job. Did the job. Uh, don't forget to join us next time for another fun-packed Big Finish podcast. And don't forget to write in and tell us, since it's a new year, uh, what you'd like, what you like about the podcast and what you might like to see included in the future. Special shopping feature or decoration or bu- building DIY features. Gourmet meal. You know, free bus pass. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless, aren't they? Or whether or not you want us both sacked and hung up by the trousers on a gibbet made of marshmallows outside Salisbury Cathedral. Now, stranger things can happen. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, it only remains for me to say that this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. And of course, Benji and I did this for, for the, the love, love of stories. stories. And finally on the Big Finish podcast, Dad's Army, starring David Benson and Jack Lane. When you've got to go, is any of your singing in this bit, do you think? I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country is at war with Germany. All cinemas, theatres and other places of entertainment are to be closed immediately until further notice. We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets. The name of the new force, which is now to be raised, will be the Local Defence Volunteer. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr Hitler, if you think we're on the run? Boys, you will stop your little game. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. 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 Thank you.
We present the Dad's Army Radio Show. Three classic episodes of the BBC television series by Jimmy Perry and David Croft. Adapted and performed by David Benson. And Jack Lane. (laughs) Episode one, When You've Got to Go, in which young Private Pike gets called for his army fitness medical. The scene, Mrs. Pike's kitchen in the quiet south coast town of Warmington-on-Sea. Don't you like it, then? Hmm? No, 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 really, it's lovely, absolutely lovely. (laughs) Queued up for hours for that? Yes, well, really, it's beautiful. I, I really am awfully fond of veal and ham pie. There's one thing I can't stand. It's people who push their food around on their plates. Yes, well, I I just want to see what I'm eating, Mavis. You've already had one spoonful of sugar. Yes, yes. sorry, yes. Of course. The whole thing's a farce. Oh, I don't know. I I think we get on rather well. Talking about Frank. Oh, yes, Frank, yes. What a farce. You have to go for a medical for a whole day. Yes, well, he was bound to get his calling up papers sooner or later, wasn't he? Well, they couldn't possibly take him. Not with his chest. If he goes without his scarf, he gets croup. And then I'm up all night. Yes, well, couldn't he possibly wear his scarf underneath his uniform? Can you see him doing that? He's like you. He won't be advised. Look what happened when I tried to cure his sinus. Yes, well, perhaps he just didn't like sleeping with a hot water bottle on his face. (laughs) There you are, then. What about his weak ankles? Slightest thing and over he goes. Not really. I don't know about that, you know. Why do you think I spend hours holding ice packs on his feet? I've often wondered... And on top of that, there's his nerves. Oh, yes, yes, that, uh, that noise thing he does really is rather alarming, isn't noise it? Noise thing? Well, yes, that noise thing, haven't you noticed? What noise Ever thing? since he got his calling up papers, he's been doing it. Doing what? Well, this sort of noise, you see, all the time. Oh, End of that, that's an age you boys do that. Oh, do they really, yes. really? Mm. Oh, Arthur, how many times have I asked you not to smoke during meals? Look, look <laughs> Davis, look, honestly, look, I practically finished it up, haven't I? Don't eat enough to keep a fly alive. Beats me where you get your energy from. Come back, yoo-hoo! Oh, he's back. Hello, Mum. <laughs> and about time, too. Do you know you'll do on parade in ten minutes? Now sit down and don't bolt your tea. Well, don't you want to know how I got on? Couldn't have taken them more than five minutes to decide about you. I was there all day. They passed me fit. I'm A1. Don't upset yourself. Well, it must be a mistake. I should have gone with him. Did you tell him what I told you? Yes, and the doctor said there was nothing wrong with me that can't be put right with exercise, fresh air and, and good food. Good food? Oh, Lord. Good food? Mavis. Gave you my egg this morning, you tell him, Arthur. Yes, she gave you her egg, Frank. Well, thank you. You'll have to go and see them, Arthur. What? Oh, they're not having my Frank for a soldier. No, I've asked to be put in the RAF. You? In an aeroplane? You get dizzy standing on a chair. Well, I've asked if I can be a Spitfire pilot. (laughs) (laughs) They said I'd have to be an ordinary aircraftsman first and see how I got on. Yeah. Just think, Mum. I'll be the second of the few. Oh, Arthur! 
Sometimes I wish I could fly. I'd fly to the highest of heights. Say the words. Now, would you mind? Would you mind awfully? Uh, everybody, would you mind just falling in quickly as you can? That's right. It's three, three nice neat ranks. There we are. Nice neat lines. Come along, Godfrey, old chap. There we are. Thanks, old boy. There we are. That's it. Thank you so much. Absolutely lovely. Right, um, uh, platoon, uh, tension. Stand at ease. The, uh, the men are ready for you, Captain Mannering. <coughs> yes, thank you, Wilson. <laughs> All right, settle down. <laughs> now, I... Just a minute. Where's Jones? He's no here. <laughs> He's absent. Markham, absent without leave. All right. Pay attention now. <clears throat> now, in a few weeks' time, we're going to lose one of the loyalist members of our platoon, Private Frank Pike. Now, young Frank Pike has been with us since the day we were formed. Just a minute. Wilson. Yes. Why does he keep doing that? What's that, sir? Sorry. That. Well, uh, I think it's just his age, you see, sir. Apparently all boys do it, you know. I didn't. Now, to mark his departure... Ah, here comes the old fool now. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I'm late, Mr. Manning, but I... <laughs> I've, I've had a bit of a crisis at the shop. <laughs> yes, well, settle down, Jones. Why aren't you going to ask me what the crisis is? Well, you've cut your finger. Who told you? <laughs> you've been marked. Absent without leave. Well, I had to go to the hospital. It's one of the hazards of my profession, Captain Manning. <laughs> yes, well, you're here now, anyway. I don't want you to worry because it's my trigger finger, sir. I'm amphibious. <laughs> oh, good. I can still give him the old cold still, you know, sir. Yeah, I can still shove it right up. <laughs> yes, all right. Thank you. We know all about that, Jones. <clears throat> Where were we up to, Wilson? Well, I think we were discussing what to do with young Pike, sir. Oh, yes, that's right. Leave the room, Pike. Why? What have I done? It's all right, Frank. All right, all right. Don't worry. Uh, we're just trying to think of ways of celebrating your departure. All right. Well, I'll go then. Yeah, I'll just wait in the office. <laughs> you know, you should speak to his mother about that. Very often indicates a deep-seated disorder, you know. Come on, uh, I think... As you see, the lad, he's been a very good boy, and uh, I suggest that we have a voluntary collection. Maximum sixpence. <laughs> uh, excuse me, sir, why, why couldn't we buy him a knife? Uh, <laughs> I had a penknife when I was his age. Uh, I used to do all sorts of things with it. Uh, I used to whittle. Did you? <laughs> what do you think, Wilson? Well, um... I think I, I know Pike pretty well. I knows his mother pretty well, too. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Let's not get personal about this, Fraser. I think it's very nice of Sergeant Wilson to look after Mrs. Pike the way he does. I think he's a true gentleman. We had an officer who used to look after three ladies. He was a gentleman. He weren't very true, though. <laughs> all right, let's not get diverted. You're about to make a suggestion, Wilson. Um, yes, I was, sir. You see, um... I happen to know what Pike likes, and I think it would be a very good idea if we gave him a farewell supper at the Fish and Chip restaurant. Oh, yes, that sounds like a capital idea, yes. What do you all think of that? Yeah, yeah, I'll be up yes, that, yes, I like yeah. Fish and Chips. Good. Yeah. Right, you can come in now, Pike. 
We've decided what we're going to do for your farewell surprise. Oh, good. Yeah, I like fish and chips. <laughs> All the time, like a butterfly, I'd mystify Is that one of theirs or one of ours? It's one of theirs, Pikey. You can tell by the coming and going hum. Mm -hmm. Makes the back of your neck go goosey, doesn't it? Here, Pikey, you're not worried about joining up, are you? No, no, not really. No, you don't want to worry about joining up? Not in these modern times. I never forget the day I joined up. They shaved all me hair off, and then they washed me all over with carbolic, and then they gave me a great big basin of cold, fatty soup, a prickly horse blanket, and I cried myself to sleep. Did you? It's different now, I expect. Yeah, yeah, I expect it is. But one thing that won't have changed, and, and that's a comradeship. No, no, that won't have changed. You've got to learn, comradeship, pikey boy. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to learn that. If somebody nicks your kit, make sure you nick someone else's. <laughs> Always be first in the queue and the grub's up, and then, and then you gobble it up quick and go round for a second time. Never volunteer. Always look after number one. If somebody drops you in it, make sure you drop them in it. Yes. The best part of the army is a comradeship. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, it's like this, Mr. Mannering. The blood donor people will be taking the church hall for the next two days. His reverence has agreed. Mr. Manrig is quite aware of that, Mr. Yankman. <laughs> well, of course, blood's very important in times such as this, and I want to be sure we get a good turnout. So the point is this. How much of the stuff could you manage? <coughs> Not you personally, but as a group. Well, let me see now. There's the platoon and some of their relations, no doubt. Put us down for 50. Well, 50 pints, sir. Isn't that rather a lot, sir? What are you talking about, Wilson? There's 20 in the platoon. Only got to rustle up another 30. Hello, Napoleon. Oh. What's all this mother's meeting? <clears throat> Would you mind not barging into my office without knocking? What do you mean, your office? It's my office as well, you know, mate. May I remind you that first and foremost, it is my office. Yeah, you have told him, haven't you? Oh, no, the warden's group will be doing their donoring on the first day. Oh, and they give a certificate to each group to put on the wall. It's sort of parchment-like with a red seal and a bit of ribbon. They look very nice. Yes, and my certificate's going to be up there on that wall. Chief Warden Hodges Group donated 50 pints. <coughs> In that case, my certificate will go directly above it. George Mannering, 100 pints. Rich, aren't you being a rather hasty? You leave this to me, Wilson. Where are you going to get 100 pints? Oh, for that matter, where are you going to get 50? I'll get them through my shop. Anyone who signs on will get a pound of onions. Oh, very well. If that's your game, Jones can give sausages away. He can't. They're rationed. Well, dripping, something like that. <clears throat> anyway, the sort of people I recruit won't need bribing. My entire congregation will throw its weight right behind the scheme. And in order to be quite fair, I shall divide them equally between you both. That'll be three each, your reverence. 
Yes, and uh, we'll toss for the organist. Now, ever had jaundice? No, I don't think so. Or I get croup. And Mum says my ankles are a bit wonky. And if I stand on anything, I get a bit of verdigrease. <laughs> Apart from that, I'm fit as a fiddle. Mark him down as a donor, Wilson. Yes, all right. All right, Pike, that'll be all, thank you. What's the score, Wilson? Well, uh, let me see now. Godfrey Jones Fraser, that's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine not eligible because they're over age. Oh. Jaundice, two, one on pills. Oh, Godfrey's on pills, so that's twice you can't have him. Look, <laughs> only count them once, we're in a terrible mess. Oh, yes, right. Um, two with colds and um, Private Elgood. Elgood? Yes, he's the one that's... Oh, no, 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 no. <clears throat> Just leaves you, me and Pike. Yes, well, I'm afraid you'll, uh, you'll have to count me out. Why is that? Well, you see, I'm a, a little bit anemic. Oh, absolute rubbish. No, no, really, it's true. I, I had a word with my doctor this morning, and he said that far from giving it, I ought to be having it. <laughs> I think you're trying to wriggle out of it because you're afraid. No, really, I'm, on the contrary, I, I've been a donor lots of times. It just so happens that at the moment I'm, uh, I don't know, feeling a little bit run down, perhaps. Maybe I've been overdoing things a bit lately. Really? Well, you've never overdone anything whilst I've been about. <laughs> yes, well, the fact remains that you are rather short of your target. 98 pints short. It's <coughs> a disaster, Wilson. I did say you, you were being a bit hasty, sir, didn't I? Captain Manrin, desperate times cause for desperate doings. We, we could falsicate our ages, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm sure we'd pass for 65. <laughs> Some of us. Uh, here we could put the blackouts up and uh, have one wee candle and see we're trying to save electricity. Uh, no, 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 no. I, sorry, I couldn't be a party to anything like that, Fraser. But... What a marvellous spirit we have here, Wilson. Yes, absolutely marvellous. Yes, I'm going to talk to the men. Oh, are you ready, sir? All right, now pay attention, men. Right, pay attention to the officer. The officer wants to pay attention to him now. Three nice neat lines. Paying attention to the officer. Men paying attention, sir. <laughs> <coughs> Thank you, Jones. Would you like them to stand to attention whilst they're paying attention to you, sir? No, Jones, that's enough. Now, the honour of the platoons is at stake. I won't conceal the facts, but through no fault of our own, we're short of our target. Ninety-eight pints, sure. Yeah, all right, Wilson. Details don't matter. Point is this. We've seen dark times before, but by standing together, we've always triumphed. And it's up to each and every one of us to comb the highways and byways, call upon our friends, our loved ones, in relations, to... Rally to our bottle cry. Rally <laughs> to our bottle... Battle... I do wish you wouldn't do that sort of thing, Wilson. Rally to our cause. Excuse me, Captain Will Mrs. Marnering be rallying to the cause? <laughs> and I feel sure that with our combined efforts, that certificate is as good on the wall now. Here, Mr. Fraser, Aye. I don't think Mrs. Mannering is going to do much rallying. <laughs> Big finish for the love of stories.